So good morning. I'm Pastor Carrie. I am the interim pastor here at New City, and I'm really thankful to be with you all today. I've been thinking about a couple things. First of all, it's been almost a year since I learned about New City. I remember it's probably been about a year since um, Chris Nosworthy contacted me about possibly coming on to be your interim pastor. I, I thought about this. It's been almost a year that you, you all have gone through this journey of um, John and Mary March ending their time as pastors here and, and just our new phase that we've all had in the past year as a church. And I had, I had this moment as I was driving here this morning of um, gratefulness for Pastor Jamie, for Claire, our children's director and administrative director, and all of you. Um, this has been a year of, of really believing God and his promises for our church, especially into a new phase of um, part two of a 12-year-old church plant and what's next, um, coming out of pandemic. You know, churches have had, I know this sounds crass, but churches have had their butts kicked in a big way from the pandemic. It's, it's been a hard reset. And so I just, I just wanted to say thank you to you all for being patient with one another. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for believing God. Thank you, Pastor Jamie, for the ways he, um, he's an unusual pastor. He is a music pastor. He is a strategist. He's really good at media and technology and at um, maintaining our church property. You know, kind of a, um, I think Kara Stromberg, our soon-to-be superintendent, um, called him a um, Swiss army knife of pastors. Um, and, that's, and that's a high compliment, Jamie. Um, and Claire oversees administration and children's ministry and is just a fantastic strategist as well. I am not a strategist, so I feel like I'm just so thankful for them and, and for this church body and how I've seen you all come together and love each other really well as it's coming on a year of, of a lot of change. And I wanted to acknowledge that um, and just tell you how proud I am of all of you. Um, this morning I want to start with prayer requests also. We're going to keep praying for our friend um, Sally. Sally had surgery and she continues to recover, so please keep praying for our sister Sally March. Our friend Joe is in the back, and Joe had knee surgery, we found out. We've been praying for Joe, so keep lifting him up. Um, Matt and Esty George are our Campus Crusade missionaries that we are highlighting this month. Um, next week, we're going to have a video that they sent for us. Um, a specific prayer request that they sent out was just for their mission partners in Ukraine and Eastern Europe right now that are just scrambling and, and trying to be faithful to the Lord and his call and, and serving in some really difficult circumstances. Um, Matt and Esty also sent a specific prayer request just for themselves. They've been in the process of trying to adopt a baby from China, and they sent a, a message this week to our church staff, and, and it, oh, it hurt my heart. Um, it seems that that door has closed for them, and so now they're kind of like, okay, what's next? And so they just asked for a specific request as they process um, this hope that they had and this um, dream that they felt God put on their hearts to adopt this baby and, and that door being closed for them. Um, <clears throat> and then we continue to support them financially and with our prayers at New City. Um, this morning, let's be praying for Ukraine. Um, I was watching news, and I probably shouldn't have done it last night, and tears just running down my cheeks as I'm looking at images of families and children sitting in basements for however long, people dying and fleeing, and it seems like people in Russia probably don't even know what's going on with what their country's doing, so um, pray for the children and families and fathers and mothers and government leaders there, for their president, um, for everybody, um, and just courage for them. So let's pray this morning. Oh God, we love you and we praise you. 
Lord Jesus Christ, you are our Savior. And Holy Spirit, we are dependent on you, and we seek your movement amongst us this morning. Lord, we confess that we often go our own way and not your way. And so, Lord, please forgive us for the ways that we have not um, obeyed you this week or we have um, just been rebellious, Lord. Forgive us when we maybe haven't done the thing that, that you asked us to do or we didn't reach out to the person that we could have. And, Lord, just keep propelling us in your direction, in your way, and um, loving people and, and doing what you want us to do while we are here in this world. God, we thank and praise you for your goodness. We thank you, God, that you are doing something always. And even though we may not see it or know it or understand it, Lord, you are always at work. God, we thank you for sun. We thank you for the extra hour of daylight. God, we thank you for coffee that got us up this morning after missing an hour of sleep. Lord, we thank you for our children in our midst. Lord, we thank you that you've given them the gift of literacy and that they can read your word. And Lord, that you've given us vocal cords to praise you and respond to you. Lord, we lift up um, the Estes as they um, serve you for Campus Crusade. We pray, God, for their family and as they process this disappointment of um, the adoption that they were hoping to fulfill and, and a new child to welcome into their home. Lord, we pray that you would meet them where they're at and you would encourage them and remind them, Lord, of your faithfulness to them and in your plans. I pray that you would help their ministry partners that are in eastern Ukraine that are struggling and in Europe, Lord, that are um, seeking to follow you and serve you, and Lord, give them courage and what they need. Jesus, we pray for Ukraine. We pray for the people there that are scared and suffering and um, in the countries that have received them, Lord, as they have fled. Lord, would you do something in a miraculous way for everybody there? God, you are able to work in ways that we can't even fathom or imagine. And so, Lord, would you work and would you um, act? Lord, we thank you for our sister Sally, Lord, that you've brought her through surgery, and we just pray that you would calm her heart, Lord, that her AFib would, um, would be restored to natural heart rhythm, and, Lord, that you would give her peace. We pray for Stephen's dad as he also has heart, heart issues and um, continues to battle cancer. God, would you lift his spirits and remind him, God, of his love for you. And we thank you, God, for Joe and, and that you're healing his knee, and we just pray for encouragement for him and healing. And Lord, as we come to your word today, just continue to change us and give us courage. Lord, deepen our trust and our faith in you, and may we come away with stronger belief this morning in who you are and what you're doing in our world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We are doing a sermon series through Lent, and it's called Leaning into Lent. I like that leaning um, phrase. And we have been studying the book of Mark, and as we lean into Mark, we take the 40 days of Lent, and we lean into, into deeper spiritual practices that can draw us closer to Jesus. We allow for space and time to listen more attentively, maybe eliminate things, habits, um, that would keep us from walking closer with Jesus, or we add practices and that would help us follow him. I, I grabbed this little bulldozer thing here. Um, I thought about how this, is, this isn't a bulldozer. What is this? Yeah, whatever this is. I was like, this isn't a bulldozer. I, I should know this. I grew up on a farm. I, I just had this moment. I don't know what this is. But anyway, it was the closest thing that the nursery had for an illustration. So here we go. But I thought about like Lent being such a purposeful time 
that whatever the Lord gives us that stands in the way of us knowing him and, and serving him and being closer to him, Lent can be like a time of a bulldozer and, and moving those things out of the way. You know, if we can also think about um, what, can we, what can we add in? It's like the extra sauce that can draw us closer to Christ and draw us to his heart more and to loving people more as he called us to. That is also a rich time. So, you know, traditionally early Christ followers prepared for baptism in the 40 days before Lent. They took time to examine themselves, to fast, to pray, repent, and consider the step they were taking to follow Christ because it was at the cost of their lives. And so I, I just encourage you during this time of Lent that you lean into maybe those things that God is calling you to say, you know what, you don't need that. You need me. Or maybe um, the things to say, God, I want to do more of that to be closer to you and, and know you more. And, and think about and pray about what those things are. For me, I have, um, I know I watched a little TV last night, but I, I really felt convicted after one Sunday when I was like, I like, I like my, um, my, <laughs> my cop shows. And, and so I really, <laughs> it was criminal minds all, all the time. And, and, um, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to have more quieter evenings. We've been doing things more as a family. Andrew's given up his, his um, PS4 and has not been playing video games. So his, his challenge for Lent is no video games, and he's so far done it. We're doing really good. Um, but just think about and pray about what those things are. Um, this morning, I want to start out with this author. Um, actually, I couldn't find out who the author is. The author is anonymous, but the blog is called Blessed Is She. And the author, I think there's a bunch of them. They're Catholic women, and they, they write about Lent being a time to focus on what was preventing us from having the best possible relationship with God. This author wrote about this phrase, what is keeping me from Jesus, and then considering what could be hindering her relationship with God, so she chose to focus all her intention on that thing. And as we begin this Lenten journey together as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're going to focus on themes that help us have deeper relationship with Jesus and the flip side, what brings us closer to him. Um, you know, as we lean into Lent, we are going to be deliberate about this as a community. So today, um, at the end of the service, you'll see there's some poster boards, which will be a time of response for us. We're going to um, do this together purposely as a church so that we can grow together in this time. And this morning, our topic of what might be keeping us from Jesus is belief. Believing Jesus and what places of our lives and circumstances we might have difficulty trusting God with. Um, I went on vacation two weeks ago, and we had Dave Karens from Covenant Pines preaching here, which was really great. And I always get excited about vacation because I get excited about the people that I'm going to meet. I'm an extrovert, and so I know some of you might hate this, but like I get excited about maybe the person next to me. The, I know Chris is like, on the airplane, might want to talk to me. Um, so <laughs> and, and I've become very self-aware. I'm like, I, I usually like read... <laughs> I read the cues, I'm like, yeah, this person doesn't want to talk. The guy I sat with going out, I figured out through midway, I'm like, this guy was a contract killer. He told me about his life that he, like, he was a bounty hunter. And this guy, I'm just like, he was an older guy, and he's telling me these stories. I'm like, and I'm a therapist also, and I'm, I'm doing a mental status assessment, though. I'm like, he's telling the truth. And I'm, and I'm getting more and more uncomfortable as he's relating to me. I'm like, I don't know if I wanted to talk to this person after, like, that was a long three-hour flight. Um, but when we were in Sedona, I walked into this shop. I was looking for a gift for my soon-to-be um, daughter-in-law, and it was a Peruvian shop in Sedona. And I, I saw the shop owner. She was this really sweet little lady, and she was Peruvian, and she had Christian music playing. I was like, ooh. So I, as I was 
um, buying my wooden cat for my soon-to-be daughter-in-law, because she likes cats, I said to her, I said, I really appreciate the music you're playing. And she goes, oh, yes. She goes, are you a Christian? I said, yes. And so we start talking about Jesus. And this woman tells me the most incredible story about her life. And we found out we both had 11-year-old sons. And she said, I have to tell you how my son came to be. And thankfully, there was nobody there, so she was able to tell me. And she said, I wanted to have a baby so badly about 13 years ago. And she said, I was not married, and I was trying every way I could to have a baby. I was researching in, you know, um, all the medical ways you could have a baby without a husband, adoption, everything. And, and she said nothing was working and she was getting more and more desperate. And we found out we were about the same age too. So she was like getting older and wanting to have a child very badly. And she said she was feeling so sad and depressed about her situation. And she said um, this man came into her shop, the very shop I was in. And she said he was snooping around, you know, getting, looking around. And then he came up to her and he goes, are you doing okay today? And she was like, who is he asking me who I'm doing, you know, how I am? And she said, I said, yes, I'm fine. And then he went back to what he was doing. And, and then he came up to her again and said, are you doing okay? And she said, I didn't know what to say to this guy because it was so odd that he asked how I was doing. And she said, I'm becoming uncomfortable because she goes, actually, I'd been crying before he had come in and I wasn't okay because things weren't working out for me to, to try to have a baby. And so she said the third time this man came up to her and basically gave her a word from the Lord that said, you need to do things God's way and wait and be patient and believe him and he is going to give you the child you need. And she said it was like this moment that's never happened to her before and she said she knew at that moment she needed to stop all the ways she was trying to have a child and she felt convicted in her heart that she wasn't doing things in the way that God had wanted her to. And she said two weeks later, she met the man who ended up being her husband. And then two years later, she had a son. And so she, so I, and we're sitting there and I'm just, I'm just crying and she's crying, telling me this beautiful story of how she believed and trusted God, but how God sent another person into her store in the most unexpected way to help her trust him and believe. That's why I love going on vacation. It's just, just never know what's gonna happen or who you're gonna sit next to on the plane, you know. Pete's like, I would not want to sit next to you, Pastor Carrie. I can just see it. <laughs> so as we come to Mark chapter 9 this morning, which, which our sister Greta beautifully read, we have a similar story of desperation. We have a father, and we have a son, and we, and we have belief. It's a dramatic story. It's a story that Mark clearly wants to highlight. And it's recorded both in Matthew and Luke, the story and the narrative, but Mark's is longer. There's some different details in, in Matthew and Luke, but Mark's, even though Mark's gospel is shorter, this is the longer version of the story, and it's twice as long. So I want you to think about as, as we review the story, um, which character are you in this story? You know, as you come to like all the different characters in it, who are you? I want you to think about how um, we, when we come to God's word, it's really wonderful to kind of place yourself in it and maybe wonder, who would I be in the story? What would I be saying? What would I be doing? And we're just going to review Mark chapter 9. So the disciples, several of them, um, Peter, James, and John, have just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. They've seen this incredible um, glory experience of Jesus. And then they come down and they see these disciples. They see a large crowd, teachers of the law, arguing. And people come to Jesus, and they're overwhelmed with wonder, and they run and greet Jesus. And Jesus wonders, what are you arguing about? And a man answers, 
Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes to his teeth, becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You know, at first glance, they're like, oh, that sounds like epilepsy, but there's something more to this. And Jesus says, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him, and when the spirit saw Jesus... It immediately threw the boy into the convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foamed at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? That's such a tender response. How long has this been going on? And the dad says, from childhood. It's often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, says Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. Greta asked me, she goes, what does that word mean? And I said, it means to like pretty much tell that thing that it's wrong. You are wrong. So he rebukes the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and never come into him again. And they have this dramatic moment that is not clearly epilepsy because the spirit shrieks, convulses the boy violently, and it comes out. And the boy looked like he was dead. Jesus takes him by the hand, lifts him to the feet, and restores him. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples are really perplexed because clearly they had been trying to cast the demon out in whatever ways they, they were trying. It would have been really interesting to see that all go down. And Jesus says, it's only by prayer that it comes out. And I want you to think about this, this dramatic story and the characters in the story. Some of don't even appear in the other Gospels. But it's that the demon takes control of this boy. Its intention is to destroy the boy, and it can't do that but it utterly ruins this boy's life. It is real, it's tormenting him, and you can tell that this, this poor little life has been um, terribly affected. It's affected the whole family, the whole community. It's a real evil power, it's tormenting human life in full view, and it's a power that hates and fears Jesus as its reaction to his presence is shown. Then there's the boy, the demon's helpless victim. He's living at most of a half-life by this evil power. In the story, we notice he's completely passive. He does nothing except to be taken from point A to B. Remember, he not only had the convulsions and these violent episodes, but he couldn't speak or talk or anything. And here he is. He's delivered and raised to life by the Lord Jesus. And then we have these various figures who surround the demonized boy. There's first the group of the nine disciples who are embarrassed and rejected because they can't heal him. You know, Jesus has been on the mountain, and they're doing their best. And to make matters worse, they're in the, in the full view of the sworn enemies, the teachers of the law. They need to understand why they failed, and remember, they're not new to this. They had been clearly sent out to deal with demons in the past. Jesus had sent them out in, in twos to go and, and heal and you know, drive out demons. But Jesus explains this kind can only come out by prayer. And it's really important to think about this. It makes sense, it makes sense to understand that Jesus is simply meaning, when he talks about this demonic race, this whole race of demons can only be dealt with by prayer. In other words, he says to the disciples, you couldn't deal with it because you didn't pray. When I sent you out before, you could deal with demons because you prayed. And this time you didn't. You thought you could do it all on your own. And by this way, this should remind us all that if we stop depending on the Lord for each of our circumstances, we will face the same powerlessness. We will be like those disciples trying to do it on our own. And then we have these teachers of the law, the other characters in the story. They're there only to cause trouble. They have probably started accusing the disciples of not having the proper authority or, you know, you're Jesus' underlings. You really can't do much. 
And then there's the boy's father. He's desperate. He has spent the last years watching his son suffering, afraid to leave him alone for a moment in case the demon strikes again. He comes in his last search of hope, and today he's already been disappointed. But then at last he meets Jesus. He finds all that he needs. And it's important that Mark gives us this conversation between Jesus and the Father. And the Father cries out. I, this is one of those tender passages that, that's always given me courage when I pray. He says, I believe, and I also am struggling to believe. Help my unbelief. He's not, asking, he's not only asking for bigger faith, a faith that will impress God. He's not asking for that. He's just saying, just help me what I, with what I need. He's saying to Jesus, yes, I believe you can do something, but I have nothing else to offer. I'm pleading with you to help because I have nowhere else to turn and no other resources. And we have a word for that. It's called praying. The man is doing what the disciples did not do. He is praying. And Jesus answers his prayer. And then we look at Jesus. He's exasperated with the nine disciples. That always makes me feel a little better, okay? He was exasperated with them. He's probably exasperated with me at times. His heart goes out to the desperate father and the helpless boy. He takes on the evil spirit. He drives it out never to return. And here's the reason. Um, he gives the boy new life in place of the living death that he had. And Mark takes such an interest in the story and tells it at great length. And it's exactly showing us the point of the gospel. The mission of Christ was to overthrow the power of evil and be, bring people, just like us today, back from death to life. Jesus takes control, applies his authority, and banishes the evil. And this is the message that we need to have faith in him. Don't be like hostile religious leaders, grumbling and accusing from the sidelines. Don't be like the disciples who forget that they're nothing without the Lord Jesus. In fact, be like this dad that doesn't understand much, but knows that Jesus is the answer for everything he needs, the only answer. And I want to just encourage you, if you don't belong to Jesus Christ, then nothing stands between you and untamed evil. You have no defense against it either in this life or the next. And until we encounter Christ, that half-dead child is every one of us. Until we have Jesus Christ in our lives, then we're in just as bad shape as the boy in the story. Only Jesus could bring him from death to life. Only Jesus had authority over evil in the spiritual realm. Only Jesus can do the same for us. And with Jesus, this is the most beautiful thing. There's no if you can. In Jesus, when we pray to him and come to him, it's exactly as the Bible tells us here. We see evil banished in the name of Jesus and by his power. And this shouldn't surprise us, not at all. Why should it be? Guys, God is still working in the same ways that he always has been. And we just have to come to him in that same simple faith and trust. And maybe it's with that honest saying, Lord, I believe, and I'm still having some trouble believing, so please help me in it. And that's such an honest prayer. I want to encourage you that Jesus has won the victory, and part of that victory is us. Satan's powers will yield to us if we belong to the Lord Jesus. And so this morning, as we close, Let's have that same posture of the Father. I don't know if you can just picture him. Just, I just think it was like hands open. You know, as a parent, you're just like, ah, I'm at my end. Desperate for Jesus, laying it all on the line, knowing that he is only the one that can help and heal. Jesus is the only one that helped in our circumstances in this world, and I'm believing him today for that. So this morning, um, Jamie's going to be coming up to um, lead us in our last worship songs. There's, there's some posters along the wall here. And if you feel okay and you're comfortable, there's some specifics. I wrote down, Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief, and I put our nation, myself, 
my children, my family, our community, our world. Um, there's markers in the back, and if, if you want to just like think about what are you having trouble believing Jesus for, you want belief on, go write it down today and, and make that as an act of worship this morning as we close. Take time to consider the things that you're having trouble believing Jesus for, maybe doubts you have, burdens you're carrying, and surrender that to him and believe as you pray in Jesus' name for what he can do. Um, we have a closing prayer to pray together. Andrew, can you bring up that last slide that was his closing prayer? Let's pray this out loud together. How good it is to know you, my Lord, as the one who ever lives to make your promise good. In this confidence, I go in your name. Amen.